0: Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitars to a well. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Guitars, or on Twitter as at practicalguitars. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitarspodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon, available at patreon.com slash practicalguitars. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitars.com hi jim hi david that was that was really awkward i, I was keep forgetting the cameras
1: over here totally <laughs> awkward because you're looking over dinner it's like watching like, one of those like weird interviews monitor. where yeah, you so ever seen it where where they always have their their like side of their face to the interview <laughs> and they're
0: they're talking to the interviewer but they're off camera yeah it's like, yeah, yeah so i just i try to put to it underneath my camera but the funny thing is like i always forget for the first 15 minutes of the podcast so <laughs> i have i have a left and right monitor and it used to be that my my um camera was on the left monitor, but now it's on the right monitor. And because of that, I have to min- make sure I move my window over to the right monitor <laughs> so that Jim thinks I'm looking at him and not, you know, the wall. Um, so yeah. Uh welcome everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Uh I'm uh David and that's Jim. I'm Jim. Yeah. Did you pour one out for your homies today? I did. Okay. i good. All right, all right, And now sure. I'm drinking one for the the other homies. This is this is Veterans Day cast, folks. Um, so Memorial Day. What, is, what did you do today, Jim? Let's let's talk about Veterans Day for just a minute. Uh, went to the
1: beach. Um, spent pretty much the entire day walking Virginia Beach up and down. Yeah. In and out of the water. Um, in and Memorial out of uh, the shops. Memorial Day,
0: folks. Memorial Memorial Day.
1: day. Yes, thank you. And uh, we had a lot of fun. My daughter is down here from New York, so. Uh, if you hear any cat noises, that's
0: right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if the fans in my room, but or the fans in your room, but it's, it's been unusually hot this week. And today we've had thunder, lightning and brimstone here in, uh, in the Chicago area. Wow. Uh, we had a cookout in the rain and, um, <laughs> you know, hung out with my brother a bit. So I'm back here. Um, yeah. Memorial Day. You know, uh, by the time you hear this, it'll probably be after Memorial day, but you know, yeah. salute your, uh, salute your fallen soldiers and all that. So, um, wanted to make sure we at least take a moment at the top of the show to talk about that for a second. Uh, so yeah, here we are, um, doing podcast thing again, important stuff's coming up this month Got gear fest next month at the end of the day. So, yes. um, this is the end of May podcast this is the last podcast of May that is scheduled. um, you know, things happen and we often end up podcasting in the middle of the week for dumb reasons uh, like mine last week. Um, moving on. Uh, so here we are thinking about all the things that we've got coming up. Uh, we got gear fest next month. Gear fest is next month folks. In case you forgot, I said gear fest is next month. Um, if you are anywhere within driving distance of the Indiana area, you might want to check it out. Um, and lots of new things in gear front. I don't really have a whole lot that I, you know, like if you have a topic, Jim, that we want to talk about specifically, we can move uh, on to that or we can start plumbing the group because I know there's been some conversations, discussions in there and things. That I've that's been. right. I think we can, we can, so uh,
1: we can talk about what we've done this week. You've, uh, you've done something. Ooh, at, yeah, least, I have.
0: at least you've done something in the pencil, not the pen. I've done a lot of stuff. Um, I, and working on tracks, because I'm gonna go do an open mic. And it's the first time I perform with tracks, so it's gonna be an experience. Um I'm doing it the getaway. There's not gonna be like a click track or anything like that. It's just I have um I have this guy, Jim, which is a boss, not boss. <laughs> it looks like a boss yeah, culture, right? It looks like a boss. Now, it's a Jamman solo XT phrase looper, uh stereo looper, phrase sampler thingy. Yeah. And, uh, this thing's really cool. Actually, I think they've discontinued these now. So it has a micro SD slot and you can load up your stuff on micro SD card using the software, or you can use USB. And I didn't know this, but it has internal memory on it. So I don't even need a micro USB to work with this thing. I've actually well, got, um, two of my tracks are already on here, uh, three minutes apiece at 16 by 44 or whatever. Um, and it's only half full. So should be able to get a, get a whole open mic set on there. Um, without question, I'm going to try to rehearse with it this week. i um, still working on my set list of what I'm going to play. Um, I figure three or four songs is probably more than accurate or more than adequate. So I just got to pick out what I want to put on there and uh, get them programmed because a lot of these tunes, I, uh, I can't import from logic because logic doesn't save MIDI files inside the, the, um, project so unless somebody else knows how to get at that data because i know it's in there um i'm pretty much you know up a creek without a paddle so yeah that's where i'm at right now trying to get some projects move over to work with my jam man um and i've done two that actually i think the tracks that i did for the backing tracks are probably better than what i did on the original recordings which need to be updated anyway because frankly don't sound very great um I've got a much better studio setup than when I was recording a lot of this stuff, and uh, just kind of know what I'm doing a little bit better. So, yeah, have you ever played with tracks, Jim? Yes, 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 I have, what? and I like it um,
1: in that it's easy because you know what's coming.
0: It's reliable.
1: So, while today, speaking of that, while I was whilst I was walking along the beach, um, there was a young man playing the tracks. And all he was doing was running it up, running up and down scales as the track went on. So like, the, the track careful? would go, and he would go, he would go, and then the track would go, go the next one. <laughs> it
0: Was he like, too do? careful? No, 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 <laughs> no. Didn't think no, so. Was Didn't think so. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to get into some busking, but I don't know what the busking laws are around my area just go out in front of shopping centers and stuff but i have a feeling that if i was to start doing that like the cops would show up and be like do you have a license or you know are you authorized to be here or whatever um i, I have a feeling the 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 local mall here would probably definitely frown on it yeah. um, even though like i'm not hurting anybody then nobody's gonna be mad my music's not gonna be super loud you know yeah. like what's what's wrong with me wanting to perform in front of like random people like that's do, so yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it, typically in uh, an area like this, I mean,
1: I was in Virginia Beach, folks. Yeah. And, um, they, there are things you do to sign up to do these things. I mean, yeah. you know, you have a you have a busker's license, mm-hmm. and I'm not so sure that the buskers I saw today had licenses.
0: Yeah. So I don't. So I know, like, Chicago has busking licenses. Some of our communities around here allow busking, like it's open season um i don't know what the local communities to me are and you know what really sucks is there's like not a good place to find this information like what am i supposed to do so let's call the city and ask them and then you get somebody on the phone who doesn't even know what busking is yeah they ask you
1: uh is
0: that something you carry in a busket no, that's not no, no not. it doesn't involve a no. uh, muzzle loader either <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no sir I'm sorry you cannot shoot Our weapons weapons the- <laughs> for you folks um, yeah yeah let me get my black powder rifle out let me let me let me help you out here It'll take me ten minutes to load it i'm gonna I'm gonna rob a liquor store <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the most insane thing i've ever heard because i know there are places in the united states where black powder re- black powder weapons are restricted in some way and it's like why why because i can shoot a nail with it i mean <laughs> yeah exactly because oh, i could well. shoot any
1: and guess what they can't do with a muzzleloader if they can't <laughs> track the weapon yeah i know
0: because they're basically just a tube with a Gunman. that's right <laughs> so the the quote-unquote the the rifling isn't yeah yeah whatever so uh we're not a gun podcast just- but there's your that's your been your gun moment with david jim for this episode um the more you know yeah the more you know you can shoot guitar picks out of a muzzle loader if you wanted that's to good that, that yes. could be an entertaining hobby actually that could be interesting i got some used uh guitar picks here that my wife was uh giving me crap today because i was talking to one of my kids about wearing out guitar picks yep um, cause I wore out my first of the, uh, uh, the new flow picks. And, um, it's funny because I, I, you know, I explained to her, I said, well, when a pick wears out, like it gets rounded around the tip, especially where, you know, you want a pointed pick. And I was like, look, I was like, uh, you know, I, some picks wear down for a lot faster than others for me. And my wife goes, yeah, you got a whole, you got a whole pick 10 pick dish full of picks Jim. Here's the, here's the, the, pick uh, pick in question. And oh, there um, it is, yeah. she's laughing. Cause she's like, you got all those picks. And like, Hey, I said, I said, I used to use them until they like worn down to a nub. I'll show you one. Um, look how worn it is, Jim. It's like literally flat on the end. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, um, she goes, why are you keeping them all? I said, I don't know. I gotta go through. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably have picks back to like the first bag of picks I bought, you know, way back when, um, <sighs> in this pig dish over here like it's probably true um in fact i know i've seen so, so i bought a pack of fender uh heavies the, yep. like the celluloid ones that are like pearlescent color yeah, yeah i have uh i have some of those in there and i know that was like the first set of picks i ever bought so yeah that is, that is legit um the thing is <laughs> Chances are, if I didn't use those picks, they're probably still in there. So (laughs) they are. So, would you say that you need a flow monthly? Yes, I I need a monthly flow. Yep. That's about how long they last. Yep.
1: That's about (laughs) how long they last. (laughs) They need to flow to
0: me monthly. (laughs) Uh, Um, This is this has been the the uh, awkward, really bad joke of the podcast. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That was a horrible dad joke. Do me a favor. (laughs) and write down the uh, timestamp for that and then yes. mail it to us so that I know exactly why you were offended. <laughs> That's right. We want to know. Yeah. The world I, wants to know. I, I'm okay with that. If you're offended by what I just said, just let me know. Okay. Yep. Um, yep. I don't know. So this guy's cool though. Uh, I'm holding that jam man again. And, and actually I bought this and it's been sitting on the shelf and I was like, I need something to play tracks on. And I was going to, I have an, I have an, uh, an iPad with a crack screen. Um, I was like, oh, I could use that. And I got to think, I was like, well, I could do this and I could put this on the floor right next to my Helix. Yep. Which, <laughs> assuming I have the Helix next week. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I have a lot of stuff listed in my Reverb store right now. And oh, uh, yeah. I've also got a computer that's going to sell this week and um, other stuff that's going out the door, just trying to like, recoup some money really um and to, i gotta get another kiesel in the oven um so that's and people are like "Why well, do you need another one look i play seven string guitars now so i need another seven string i could uh, i could easily go buy another uh, like an ivan srg7 but the thing is no seven strings that i've played in the store yet have a neck that's that's really like compatible with my hand because the way I play, if you've seen the videos, like I, I play a lot with the thumb over the neck, which means that if the neck is not fat enough, it's not comfortable. Um, right. So for me, like an Ibanez neck is just not going to do. Um, I have an Ibanez <laughs> hanging on the wall in the bedroom, and I can tell you the neck is so flat that like it actually makes my so. There's a there's a nerve that runs through the through the uh, the joint of your thumb, the the uh, I guess that would be the third joint of your thumb. And, um, that nerve gets compressed and my, and the tip of my thumb actually goes to sleep. Yeah. It's, it's a strange sensation and it just drives me nuts. So, I mean, I could play through it. It's not like it's uh, a vein or anything. It's just a nerve, but it's, it is definitely not something that I would want to do forever. And I'm kind of no. concerned that that might be linked to like carpal tunnel or something like that too. So, um, that's part of the reason why I'm looking at getting another Kiesel. I will probably be playing a couple other seven strings at uh gear fest. There's one, there's one other in particular that's on my mind. Um, but I don't really want to have to spend like, you know, a bunch of money at gear fest on a guitar I would yeah. much rather order and get what I want. Um, and I have more than enough guitars up right now to, to, uh, get, get where I need to go on a Kiesel. Um, but I'm I've reached an impasse on amplification and all that. Like I'm still going to stick to what I'm doing right now. So the Mark five, I've had a couple of epiphanies about I, and Jim, you know, last week um, we had kind of an offline conversation about um, volume issues and the Mark five volume knob, the master volume kind of works like the on the five twenty five. by the way, kind of works like um, the hot rod deluxe. And then it's like, Off or (laughs) on pretty much. And, and there's really not a whole lot of, you know, there's not a lot of range in there for bedroom or for like, you know, at home in a condo kind of playing. So I, I did the poor man's attenuator. Um, I put a volume pedal in the loop and, um, I got a lot more control over that, that sweep by doing that. But the other cool thing about it is, um, because I've been going back and forth with all these different types of amplification, you know, using the headphones my Helix and then using my Mark Five and all these different things, I suddenly realized that my ears, when they're and I must be getting older because this is something that that I hadn't really noticed in the same way before. Like I know that your ears can get fatigued and it can do things, um, but never had I had it to the point where I played through an amp, same exact settings, one day versus the other, it sounded like trash the first night. Nope. And I was like, I, I was ready to sell my Mark five. Like I was, I was about to put it on reverb. And then wow. the next morning I got up and I hit the volume pedal just a little bit forward and everything was fine. And I was like, the hell, like what, what was going on here? And I'd had the same experience with the Helix. So I immediately knew what was going on, um, that the Helix a couple of days before, and it's just that my ears after a long day of like driving, actually driving is the thing that I think makes it the worst because you drive and you get road noise and then you turn your radio up yep. to compensate. And then by the time you get home, your ears are just completely toast. Um, and so all of my bad playing experiences were in the evening. All my good playing experiences were in the morning or during the day. specifically So um, yeah, protect your hearing folks. Uh, it's a precious thing because it'll ruin your life. If, if everything sounds like trash, yep. um, so with that all coming to what it is now, I guess uh, I'm keeping my Mark five twenty-five 25, at least for the time being, I still yeah. want a triple crown really bad, um, but it's not in the cards right now. Um, I would have to come up with like another thousand dollars if I was to get out of my Mark five to make it work because I would, I'd have to get a bigger cabinet. Yep. Um, so I think we're going to stick with a Mark five. I think I'm going to sell the Katana think i'm gonna get a um i'm gonna always have some sort of fr fr based amplification system i think that is a sensible way for any guitarist to work through their problems right now if you've got so like if you live in a condo like me and you want to have good sound basically you have one option and that's some sort of a headphone situation or maybe like a small cabinet an fr fr type thing Right. right so that's basically your option it's an fr fr situation whether it be headphones studio monitors um small pa cab whatever turned way way down um and for like gigs where i'm playing and i've got 10 songs to do bring in the mark 525 and run pedals through it so gear fest will be me predominantly looking to make the most of what i already have in the mark 525 so attenuate that's a big part um direct out that doesn't suck. So got to deal with the cab clone being terrible in the Mark Five Twenty Five. Yep. Um, and then the other thing is to like, get a delay pedal because it's pretty much the only thing I a delay and maybe a reverb is pretty much the only thing I use, um, with the Mark five, uh, maybe a modulation pedal, but I have, to, I have a lot of that stuff already. So it's like, what modulation do I want? You know, if I got like a phase 90, that might be the only thing or like some sort of Univibe clone and I need a good delay pedal. I can run on batteries. I want to run batteries because I can put a battery in it right before the gig and then I yep. don't have to take it off the back of the amp. Yep. So then I can have a tiny, tiny board with like two pedals on it. <laughs> Super small board. That's 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 the game plan. Small board, basically a boost pedal. Super uh, small. A boost pedal. Yeah, I know we're getting there. A boost pedal. And then uh, like a like a small wah, probably the the Crybaby five ninety five Q Mini or whatever it is the, the the really fancy one, and then the um, I'm actually going to probably use the Angry Driver as my boost, um, which sounds insane, but it actually like if you turn the drive knobs down on it, it does something magical with the Mark V in my guitar, uh, and I'm going to look at see if I can get like a another boost of some sort just for color. And then I got fuzz and all that. That's stuff I already own. So pretty much everything else, the board I already own, including the power supply, which would be awesome. Um, but that's where I'm at, Jim, tell us about what you're doing with your board. So I made a change and, uh,
1: I stripped off some size and I've gone down in size and uh, I did this a direct a direct trade with someone, so there was no uh, no money turned over, no no changing of um, anything like that. And I switched from the Helix, HXFX, to the Boss MS3. <clears throat> now, there's there's a couple of things that that I'm gonna have to uh,
0: do. I'll help you with that because I know about the Boss MS3, by the way.
1: Yeah. But as far as it goes, um, I think to make everything smaller, to, be, to compact everything, I can put um, the I can use the dirty side of the amp when I want some dirt. I can use one of my many dirt pedals, um, my fuzz pedal, which I know is a dirt pedal, but it's a different kind. And then everything else, and uh, go with the with a minimal amount of um,
0: of space. So. That's the whole idea, right? Right. So, um, what are you? So, the MS three doesn't. Oh, you got the MS three, right? The yes, just so that special that's effects. The switcher. That's the multi effects switcher. That's correct. All right, because I've had the ES eight, right? The right boy switcher, and programming that thing was nightmarish. Um, and there's no. At least when I had one, and this may have changed, there is no tool on your computer to set up your patches. So for this one, there is. Yeah, but that's because of the the effects layouts and all that. That's right. Um, does it do AM modeling? No, right?
1: No, no I don't
0: think so. Okay, and it no. does. So, it, and you can have like two effects, and they're always in the same place in the chain. And then you have nine, which. It's like the loop, only thing can- I can I can move the effects
1: anywhere I want, except the loops are always stuck. So one, two, and three loops—one, two, and three—always have to be together.
0: Yeah, right, so right. they
1: move together. So,
0: so if you put
1: that's af- right. Yeah, so if you put effects pre, they're pre all three loops. You can't like say, okay, I want this loop in the beginning and then this loop in the middle. And this loop. Which I found odd, but I'm sure there's a hardware software reason for that. But... <clears throat>
0: yeah it's so if you read the manual they talk about the uh, the internal mixers in those products and those mixers so when they're telling you that you're buying a switching system right like a lot of people think that oh it's just digital right So like you plug in and then it converts your signal digital and then it routes it however it wants to digitally that's not how those work those things are full analog okay so inside of that unit is a bunch of little analog switches and relays and you hit a button and that analog mixer does something, you know? Okay, and, and it, it's controlled by a digital apparatus that sends signal to the, to the relays. But right. That's basically how it works. So when they tell you, you buy one of those guys, and they tell you, oh, well, you can only move two pedals in the chain or whatever, or like whatever. I don't remember exactly what the what the um, limitations are, but I'm yeah. on the ES series. But the idea is that you have these limitations, not because they wanted to put them there, but because that's the limitation of using analog tech. Yep. Um and they're I mean those products are exceptionally good and e- an exceptional value. I'm really kind of shocked that the ES8 wasn't a Waza, you know, ES8W. Um yep. and, and it really wouldn't shock me if so if a product like that doesn't surface at some point. Right. Um, maybe like the ES8W has like amp modeling or something or direct outs or you know something extra. Um yep. because they're they're really aimed not at the guys playing in their bedroom. They're aimed at professional musicians. I That's mean, right. you probably trolled through some of the settings, and you've seen like that you can do things with MIDI, and you can adjust the buffers, and you can change the relay, like the um, the milliseconds that it takes the relay to like react yep. to your pedal input, and all that craziness. Um, they're, I mean, they're really multifunctional devices. The the reason why. Um, I, one of the reasons why i got away from an analog board with an ES eight, um, the ESA is an incredibly powerful piece of tech. You can take two drive pedals and you can put them in parallel. Right. And I thought that would be a really cool option, but you know what becomes a problem when you do that? A lot of pedals don't have, they're not in phase. Okay. So you get phase alignment issues. And so you're canceling out half your signal and it's just, it's just the nature of the beast. And it was at that moment that I kind of realized, like, man, analog pedals kind of suck because they don't—they're not really all compatible with one another the way that we think they are. We all think, oh, quarter inch to quarter inch—that's totally compatible. But until you've played around with things like fuzz faces and um, wah pedals, and uh, I'm just trying to think like some other incompatible stuff, but like buffers and all that—you know, you can find two buffers that clash; they just do not work together yep. they'll like squeal and stuff i've run into that before um it, it really becomes like a, one of those things where yeah on paper they're compatible but if you even look at the spec sheet you'll see things like you know input impedance 980k or something like that you know one meg and then the other pedal is like five 500k and you're going yep. wait a minute these have different, they, the output impedance so this is different than the input impedance over here so they're not going to sound right you know and exactly. I, I get really anal about it and that's that's what it boiled down to. It's like I know I'm losing some trouble here. Like I know, and it just drove me. It drove me up a wall. Um, but the funny thing is, I was playing. Uh, I wasn't playing, but I saw Jeff Biazziadecchi um, the other day playing with his new board. Um, he's got some fantastic uh, pedals on there. Yeah. He posted pictures in the group. You can guys take a look at it. Comment. Um, that board through. He was playing through the Fillmore. I was like, damn. Like, that's what it should sound like. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but that's what it's supposed to sound like. Um, And I, it's just, I think it's just because everything was being driven into the input. Well, no, he had pedals in the loop, too. When he put pedals in the loop, I actually changed it quite a bit. Um, yeah. but Which I, way did you feel sounded better? Oh, in the loop, for sure. Um, in the loop? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't see – so he has an ES3. es Five, 5 whatever the smaller one is he has the yeah. ES5 on there so I'm not sure as patches were set up he may have not had anything in the loop but he may have not have anything that was going in the loop on when he was testing out I don't know so he could probably comment more on that maybe i a misunderstanding what's going on there but um, I know what things sound like into the you know in front of the amp versus the loop and I've always preferred the loop except for certain kinds of effects like if you're trying to do um, slapback delay and that kind of thing I like that out front but right um, Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I just – I think those systems are really great. I think the switching systems are are, uh, um, the future of this stuff. I think integrated switching systems like what you have are the Swiss Army Knife tool for a lot of people. Man, that's got to be a much smaller board now. You got to like – yeah, because that thing is tiny. People think that thing's a lot bigger than it is. A lot of people would say get the Helix Stomp. It's better, but no.
1: Helix stomp would be just that much smaller. Yeah. Would be that big. yeah. Versus that big. This thing's about an inch and a half, maybe two inches bigger than this.
0: Stop. Actually, I think the helix stomp but is the, actually smaller than what is, you showed, but only about, about a half inch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This, it's, the stomp yeah. is a little bit taller.
0: Right. Because this
1: is this doesn't have all the stuff at the top because the display at the top.
0: Is there a cool there. unit, man? Yep. I'm. So you didn't even trade for that, huh? Yep.
1: Even up. Even yeah. Didn't. didn't um, didn't change anything. So the cool. guy had it. And luckily had the real power supply.
0: Cause. Yeah, yeah. We know about all about that stuff. Well you know that's yeah. not off of a regular nine volt. It says nine point two. It's it's nine. They, 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 so the, the supply puts out nine point two if you need it. But they are run yeah. off a of nine, um, but you gotta make sure that you're supplying like the high milliamp. So I think yeah. they run off, I think they require a thousand. So but you should, cause that's got the digital effects thing in there. It may be different, maybe slightly different. So you could your manual, but I believe you can run it off of voodoo lab pedal power. So if you run, if you run other pedals off that, you got a free space, you don't have to, you, you have one cord for your board. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, that was my big gripe. When you showed me the HX effects had the, uh, the, the, uh, barrel jack I know. instead of a three prong, I was like, seriously, it's supposed to be a professional piece of kit and like you're running it off a off a you know a, a wall wart yeah ridiculous um I, I, I wall warts let's talk about them for a second so oh, okay. in 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 guitar gear in in stuff you're gonna take on stage the last thing you want is a wall wart <sighs> that's it. such a- that's all I have to say that is yep. the la- I would rather run off batteries yep because wall warts are noisy number 1 number 2 now they, now if somebody's going to correct me here and say well they're not any more noisier than having the power supply inside the unit in my in my history of using them they've always seemed to be noisier the cables are like prone to failure it, it, oh, it yeah, if you look at them they break in
1: half <laughs> that's the problem yeah. well, okay so i'm going to say the other one and that is every time you try to put a Walmart in, a wall wart into a plug you never have room. It always takes up yes. more than one. I don't care what kind of plugs you buy
0: or what and, it is. And when you have your box of wall warts, like if you do a studio, like you have oh you my know, God. couple, oh my God, I have a box which one of wall goes warts. To which? And you know what I did <laughs> one Saturday morning? I literally took every wall wart out of the box and yep. with, with, a, with a magnifying lens in one hand and a flashlight in the other because they're yep. black with silver text. Yep. Absolutely. If they have text printed on them at all. You're, you're like, you know, investigating to find what the, the input-output stuff is. And I That's wrote right. it all down on pieces of tape and stuck them to the side of each wall wart. So now at least when I pull them out of the bin, I know exactly which one's which.
1: I put a, um, I put a piece of tape on this one that says,
0: Boss MS3. <laughs> oh, I, I, think, I think we're reaching the age, though, where the 4.5-volt uh, USB jack is going to be standard on everything. I think we're going to start seeing barrel jacks disappear. Yeah. And if you use them, it'll be a plug that goes into your nine volt thing with a, with a USB on the other end. It's, it's only a matter of time, maybe 10 years before, before we're seeing that's like the most common way. Yeah. Um, And and for folks that don't know, like pedals didn't start out with barrel jacks. Nine volt pedals started out with all sorts of power connections in the beginning. Um, You had two prong AC in some stuff. You had um, the, of course, the DC jack with the like the the male plug, which that was really common for a long time. That's what EHX used for a long, long time. Yep. and then it wasn't until like the eighties that the barrel jacks really started showing up in force. So we're what thirty years, forty years into that, and it's yeah, like, and
1: some people are still
0: using. them. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that we're forty years into it, like it's not something that can't be changed. Um,
1: well, it is something that can be changed exactly it, it needs to be changed in most stuff
0: you, i know you don't listen to 60 cycle how much anymore but um did you know that they've been testing a product that allows you to use a usb battery um like the ones you buy for your cell phone to charge them you know in an emergency situation yep to run their pedal port oh really Yes, and this device is like it's like a splitter for nine volt out, right? And it can run your pedal board for like hours. So pedal train really? has a product called Volto that's right. basically yep. the same thing, right? Yep. Um, but it's it's expensive for what it is, right. uh, and they have basically just an adapter that goes from USB to nine volt. Yep. And so that's fine, but you know what's really cool? They have the he has a helix stomp now. Um, Ryan does, and it's hooked up to the. Uh, to the backup battery and it runs for hours on that yes i'm like there you go line six why didn't you design it this way like those backup batteries are cheap you could sell the battery to go with the helix stomp people would buy it a replaceable battery look at the um here's a perfect example fishman the uh, fishman pickups the fluence pickups the battery that goes with them chargeable Yep, almost everyone who uses Fishman flu- Fluence pickups gets the battery. Yeah. So, and then, uh, that was that was from a conversation with uh, Fishman it, at the last uh, Gear Fest. So yeah, and it charges via USB. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's 4.5 volt. So yep.
1: Um, now I know that there's another company that makes a uh, a pedal um, power that you can charge via USB. I can't remember
0: yeah who it is. yeah it might be yeah. something like true tone or something like that, yeah, but it's a um, it's
1: a um I'll say
0: it's blue, but um, I might have to ask, but
1: anyway, yeah, I think that first of all, it makes sense um it makes sense to have as much as these things cost, They cost like you know hundred and fifty is an ex- inexpensive one, two hundred fifty dollars three hundred dollars five hundred dollars for those companies these um and what we're seeing more and more of is um for some reason. Uh, like like you said, the the Boss MS3 can run off pedal pa- pedal power. I just gotta yeah, make sure like I like a it,
0: pedal train or whatever. I gotta give it. Yeah, I gotta
1: give it a thousand milliamps. Huh. Um, why aren't there more uh, pedals that do this? You know,
0: and that's another thing that we, we we need to get a pedal manufacturer on the show so we can talk about that. But yeah, um, I, I I knowing enough about electronics to be dangerous. I would suspect that it's a cost cutting measure. Um, so you hear a lot about pedals that, you know, ran at 18 volt originally and stuff like that. So right. the, um, um, what is it? Univibe. The original Univibe circuit was, I, I guess ran at 18 volts, right? Because yeah. it had uh, bulbs in it or whatever that needed to be lit up. Yep. So that's where it gets, gets kind of weird. So the, clones and over the years they've you know kind of modified the circuit to make it work on nine volts etc um when mike fuller started playing around the deja vibe he was like how do i get this to work with with 18 volt um so he built a step up circuit that basically takes a nine volt battery and steps it up to 18 volts right um probably with used transformers or something like that but i mean we're talking these are low voltages people i mean the stuff that's going on inside a pedal they can use little bitty circuits that can massage the power into pretty much whatever they need to power these super low voltage circuits, right? right. You're not going to be electrocuting yourself anywhere inside of a DC pedal. It's no. not going to happen. Um, you know, if the pedal converts DC AC, that's another issue. Obviously, you know, don't go opening your pedals and poking poking around in there if you don't know what you're doing. Right. Um, so, in like there are other pedals out there too that that kind of kind of mind boggling and do do weird things i was reading about a pedal recently um that had tubes in it and it was running off batteries and i'm going how how is that even possible because tubes require high voltage high amperage and all that right um and you know, lots of products or
1: something like that or
0: yeah well i don't know what they were doing but they were basically saying like we can run a tube off the 9 volt battery or whatever And it's like wow yeah, I'm sure you can, but, but that tube is going to be starved like nobody's business. Exactly. Um, I, there's no amount of stepping up you're going to do to replace the loss of of uh, power there. So I don't know. It's just buyer beware. Realize that pedal circuits are not going to be able to do those kinds of things. So yep. um, I'm glad to hear that you've jumped into the MS3. I think yep. that's a good fit for you. I thought it was a good fit for you originally. I was kind of surprised that um, you were as into the Helix as you were. They're a really similar competing product, though, when you really think about it. I don't yes. like the helix form factor. I think it's massive for what it, the HX effects. I don't like the form factor, I think it's massive for what it is. I think helix in general, all of the products in the line are massive for what they are. Um, With the exception of Stomp, I've had my helix open before because I had to lubricate the pedal. There's not real I mean, there's giant boards in there, but I mean they could have been shrunken down. There, yeah. there, I mean, knowing what I know about computer tech. Like, there's no reason for that thing to be as big as it is. They Now, I understand part of it is, like, well, we want to put 10-foot 10, 10 switches or whatever it is on the Helix, and, yep. like, they did that in such a way that they could space them out properly for players, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but then what they should have done was just said, you know what? We're only going to put half the switches on this, and then we'll have an expansion for the guy that needs the rest of them right. and cut the cost in half or whatever. Um, yep. So, I don't yeah, there,
1: there could have been a lot of different, um, a lot of different things. I think that um, you run into the user friendly side of things, and you
0: run into the um, cost effectiveness side of things. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think Helix is a lot about image. Look at the casing on it; it's designed to look cool, right? They went with a color discre- color screen on the yeah. on the big guy. Well, yeah. I- not because it's functional, but to make it look cool. You could have told what those icons were without color. can't don't tell me you can't. like that's ridiculous. And for co- folks who are colorblind, that's not even a good thing. you know it, so my point is that I think I think line six clearly understood wh- when they designed the product where they had to go with it, but I think they also understood that we're kind of like the roll end the of this world and we have to make things marketable as well. And yeah. so they made the pretty case. that looks like brushed aluminum and they made it big and bulky and heavy. So it's, it felt roadworthy, which yeah. I'll tell you right now, folks, big bulky and heavy does not mean roadworthy. All right. No. If I drop something on that screen, it's going to crack. And this thing is going to be toast. So roadworthy or not, it has nothing to do with it. Um, it has everything to do with actually being able to survive damage. Um, and of course the, there's some, noticeable like user interface things are i'm like seriously you you picked a joystick like <laughs> you know that should have been arrow buttons not a joystick like what were you thinking um just yeah. from a just from a uh the perspective of somebody who like knows how things work like joysticks are a bad idea for this product joysticks um, don't last no they don't and this one feels particularly flimsy but but if you program it with your computer it's a whole other thing um Line six is definitely marketing themselves towards people who use computers on a regular basis. So are their competitors. So I guess that's you know that's about par for the course for them. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, so uh, I did my I did my coffee walk this morning in the group and um i don't know if you saw that jim but i basically just talked about gear fest and like what our plans were for that and i also talked about what it takes to go through an episode of the show and like how much production work goes into it and um that none of that's shocking to you i'm sure um (laughs) (laughs) and uh so i mentioned in that though talking about like what have we been listening to lately and i think that's a good topic for the remainder of this podcast so so. um Because I know, I know you're listening to some weird stuff. Because you're playing in a in a cover band right now. That yeah, you know, I mean music that you're not. But I'll mention play the player. stuff that I that yeah, has nothing to Cardi do. with played the yet, Jim? Yeah, no,
1: thank God. But I, I don't think that it would be off the table. Though.
0: No, <laughs> probably it probably is a discussion. I don't it's just like, don't think it's off the table because I'm rehearsing it this week.
1: What I do like about some of the stuff is um, so we do a song called Price Tag, and. Um, it, musically, it's pretty simple. It's four repetitive chords done with a funky feel on a higher three strings. It's kind of fun. Um, kind of mindless, though. And uh, it's kind of like painting. You know, you just just brushing the stroke, but you're not really thinking about it. But then uh, they were like, just come up with a solo for the end. Just make one up. So it's like, okay, I get to take this four-chord progression and play over it and it it makes it for a little bit of fun you know what i mean it makes it so that it's not just this boring thing and there's no expectation of what it's supposed to sound like at any time because every time i play it i play whatever comes to mind which i like i like that um as far as uh music that i'm listening to outside of the band really um because i listen to believe it or not i listen to a lot of joe rogan I listen to a lot of uh, like informational podcasts, which you know most people are are probably shocked to hear that um,
0: you're informed about anything. Yeah, I
1: I I, actually I'm shocked.
0: Frankly, I mean,
1: yeah, I actually listen to stuff other than uh, other than musical podcasts. But
0: no, um, if you're as engrossed in music as Jim and I are, like there are times where you just have to shut it off. Oh, yeah, and it's just for that same reason that David talked about earlier. Um,
1: and that's that, you know, your ears get tired. Brain gets tired. Yeah. You're, you're just going, oh, I cannot listen to any more of this. And um, it it drives you bananas. And uh, at some point, you just say to yourself, I, I don't need any more of this. I got I to listen to something else. Um, but what I do listen to, so I listen to a lot of Iron Maiden, I've been going back to Iron Maiden and listening to that. Um, I really don't listen to, like, when it comes to new music, I just, I wish I could say to everybody, yeah, I love this new band. And I could tell you what it was, but um, the Struts are probably the only new band that I listen to. And it's probably not as new as I think it is. Um, So, you know, and that's kind of, you know, it's kind of sad in a way because I know that I'm out of touch, but, I don't know what else to, you know, I don't want to listen to radio because the radio is just going to show whatever it thinks I want now. my throat. same with same with um, Spotify or you know, whatever Pandora and stuff. You, so I, I look to people like from the group, from you, whoever, and I listen to stuff that you guys post. Really,
0: yeah. All right. So with that being said, let's get this. Let's get this. Uh, let's get this segment started off for the future. Let's make some suggestions for Jim. Yeah. Let's, let's post some things in the group that you think Jim might like. Now, yeah. understand that Jim's tastes are—he likes like old school, like music music based pop. You know, in other right. words, like m- pop with actual guitar players and singers and the whole nine exactly. yards, right? Exactly. Um, so, I have, <laughs> I have, I've been going on a journey through metal. Um, yeah, I'm kind of looking at my collection here of stuff that i've been listening to in the last couple months um let's let's start let's start off with uh (laughs) this is my last three months of recently downloaded albums or Uh albums added to to my itunes library (laughs) yeah um i've got mc hammer's greatest hits (laughs) which which, that that surprises me right after we're talking about metal right no it's what my kids were we were joking about that too legit to quit thing and i'm like you don't even know what that's from so i downloaded that but um I also have uh, Symbolic, The Sound of Perseverance, and Scream Bloody Gore from Death. Um, I can't say enough good things about the guitar player for that band. Uh, his name is escaping me, and I feel really bad because I know he died of cancer. You know, he had cancer. He had, yeah, he did. He had brain cancer. Yeah, he died uh, He died relatively young. Um, so um, I'm looking up his name because I'm not going to. Chuck Scholdinger. I always forget yeah. his name. Yep, um, Schuldinger. Chuck is, Chuck is legendary. He, uh, a lot of people consider him to be like the first, the first guy in death metal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like the, you know, the best player that, that, you know, played death metal pretty much. Uh, And he is, he is exceptional. Um, His live performances are exceptional. I've watched several like full concerts that you can find on YouTube and, and actually um, the fact that he's singing while he's playing some of the stuff he plays is like, it's just, I'm, I just sit there and shake my head. I'm like, how's he doing that? Like, there's no way. Um, and he wasn't the only guitar player in that band either. Um, so, you know, but, but he was playing the hard stuff, which is what got me. Um, so um, along with that, um, I've, got, I've got Gary Clark's This Land. Um, I don't like this record that much, actually. And it's probably actually going to disappear from my library. Right'm that interested in it. I'm a Gary Clark fan, but I feel like this record is very much pandering to the like the hip hop masses, and it's not Gary Clark doing the blues thing anymore. It's like Gary Clark right. trying to be pop it's sort of like rap and r and b and soul and all that stuff mixed up and it just it just doesn't work for me. I know this record's probably gonna win Grammys and stuff, but for me, it just seems like it's overdone i um, oh
1: I've been listening to a, um dream theater lately. As well, we're gonna to have to talk. Um, we're gonna to have to talk. So yeah, distance over time. But, you know, they, um, they, one of they my were favorite great. tracks on I'm, I'm going to borrow a
0: Jeff from Jeff as They were a great band until they broke up in like 2003, because you know Mike Portnoy left. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, those who are true Port, uh, Portnoy fans will not like anything after that, but. I, I like everything before
0: well not everything there's a couple albums i'm like ah well, talk, we'll, 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 we'll let, let's save that because we're going to talk about them towards the end of the sec. the sequence okay all right so um he actually left dream theater in 2010 by the way i, I oh, know yeah. it was two 2003 but i'm just like i knew i botched that joke really bad but it's still funny when he sent it to me originally because yeah. i was like yep you he, he got it man i was a fan until portnoy left actually I completely believe what I just said. Like when when he left the the soul that was in that band left and that's uh, Portnoy was kind of like, a. um, he wasn't. So the guy they got right now is Mike Mangini. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah, Mangini Mangini. is a monster player, right? He can play the most insane stuff that you shouldn't be able to do on drums. That sounds like a drum machine on acid. Um, and, and he's, he's incredibly uh, skilled at doing that. Um, the problem is that Portnoy, Portnoy is capable of doing some of those things too. Okay. Right. Portnoy is capable of doing a lot of those things. In fact, but Portnoy is a taste player and right. he's kind of like, um, the Phil Collins of the generation. So, you know, you had uh, Terry Bozio and a lot of other players that were kind of around when Phil Collins is doing his thing with Genesis and the, the, the press liked Phil, because they understood that like Phil was doing something musical Whereas like those other guys, yeah, they were, they were stunt monkeys and they were really good at what they did. They weren't necessarily the most musical dudes. Um, And that's kind of the same argument here. So uh, I apologize. My AC is going in and out over here and it's like being totally ridiculous as to when it decides to turn on and off. And I know it's bleeding in. So if uh, this has affected my audio quality for this episode, crucify me for a change. Um, So (laughs) um, yeah, so we'll get to Dream Theater at the end of this. So I a couple other bands. If you like Dream Theater, I, there are probably some other bands I can recommend you. But I actually you might like this record. Um, this is uh, Infinite Mind from Lee McKinney. Uh, Lee McKinney is the uh, one of the guitar players for Born of Osiris. Um, he's been with Born of Osiris for a quite a while now. Um, they've had a number of lineup changes over the year, over the years. Um, but he has been their go to guy for, you know, I think, almost ten years now. Um, so this is his first solo album and I was thinking it was going to be born of Osiris. Right. And it is very much dream theater. Like there's a sax solo on this record and there is a song which uses like strings and it's a great, it's a great listen. I don't think it's the best record ever, but I think if you're looking for something guitar instrumental and you're like kind of curious as to, you know, what's going on in metal right now, um, and how diversion it actually is. It's a good record to go check out. And then of course, after that, in my list here is, um, new rain from born of Osiris, which I think is an older record for them. But, um, I got that after I listened to the Lee McKinney record, because I was like, okay, I got to know where this guy comes from because like, I don't understand exactly what this is because it's supposed to be like a metal player. Right? right. Um, and then I went and downloaded that and yes, they are very much a metal band. Um, and kind of I I don't know what you would really consider. They're a jet band. I would consider them a gent band. Um, gent leaning towards death metal a little bit. Um, so now we're into this month. So those are the those are the big albums for the last three months. Um, ones I downloaded. Um, so now we're we're at uh, this is this is actually an interesting one. So the first one I found is um, "Handmade Cities" from Pliny. Pliny is a self-ascribed Dream Theater devotee right and um he's a youtube guy like he's kind of made inroads through youtube performances and stuff um he plays strandberg guitars that's another thing that's people kind of endear him and he's a he's an axe effects uh endorsey and and stuff like that um but he put out his first record i guess it was a year ago and he's been doing his tour and handmade cities is it is basically one song right and it is um looking at the record here, I can pull it up and actually look at it. Uh, so it came out in, actually it's quite old now. It came out in 2016. Um, it's, it's seven pieces of music that make up one continuous song and you can hear the same like motifs come, come and go throughout the pieces. Um, it is an incredibly adventurous piece of music and it is very conventional. Like you could listen to it as a jazz player and get something out of it, or you can listen to it as a rock player and get something out of it. It's very progressive. Um, and I think of all the, you know, I, I mentioned that um, the Infinite Mind from Lee McKinney is also very similar to um, Handmade Cities, and it's like divination to uh, Dream Theater. I would say Handmade Cities is probably more Dream Theater than than uh, Infinite Mind. But Handmade Cities, that record from Pliny is it's otherworldly. Like I'm waiting for this guy's next record. That's that's what it is. Like I when I get in the car now, that's typically what I'm going to put on um it's a pretty good album given you know that i've kind of been under a rock for the last 10 years and they haven't really you know dug into any of these other players so even though i'm saying like oh this is a new record and i find out it came out in 2016 like that should tell you something <laughs> i had no idea um i knew who the guy was i had heard him do some interviews and stuff so i, I knew who he was i just didn't know anything about his music what a, right. I, he's, a, he's a very soulful player and he's a master of the electric guitar um you know, only to be rivaled by people like like Joe Satriani and Steve Vai and those kind of guys. the phrasing you get out of this dude is nuts um and of course, there's like the gente stuff that's on here too, so there's complicated timing and all that you know that nonsense um, other records for this month, Amana Marth's Berserker. Which is, I, I find them to be quite Iron Maiden like, but they're definitely like a Viking death metal band. Yeah. Um, and then High on Fire's "Death Is This Communion," which, uh, which that's an older record. Um, I like High on Fire. Like, I'm not even afraid to admit it. Uh, High on Fire is a um, stoner metal band, stoner rock, whatever you want to call them. Yep. Right. Sound. Actually, I listened to this and I'm like, well, I know where, uh, I know where Mastodon got their sound from. Cause that's, that's pretty much this record in a nutshell. Um, but here comes the fun stuff, right? So this is this week's stuff. I've got three records from the same person. Sure. And I I'll start with the first one. And then you can kind of see where I backtrack from. So I, I got my card and I said, Hey Siri, uh, put on some Devin Townsend. Oh, okay. And I, I, I don't know a whole lot about the dude, like I've seen a couple of like live performances on YouTube and stuff um but evan devin Townsend's record empath, which I think is fairly recent yeah twenty nineteen um is great okay and great in a way that none of these other records are great it is um it, it is the closest thing you're gonna get these days to being frank Zappa okay and I mean he has songs on here that are basically show tunes he has songs on here that are like unabashed, like progressive metal. Um, he has songs on here that are like soulful ballads. I mean, it's, it, and, and all of it's very, so I thought it would be kind of a silly record. Cause you know, he he's done some, and we'll get to that in a minute. He's done some silly records um, before, but this record is, did not disappoint. Like I was, I'm still listening to it and going, how does where does this guy get this stuff from? If you want to listen to one track off this record to get an idea of what Devin Townsend is actually capable of doing, go right. listen to why. That's the name of the song why why H-Y <laughs> question mark. Why? Listen to that song and then and, and try to be mindful of the fact that like this dude's singing this does death metal vocal death metal style vocals on some stuff okay um, and and understand that it starts off as a show tune but it does not end that way so listen to the whole thing um and it's a, a very clever arrangement so um what else i got here so uh damn you uh apple for making itunes so complicated and then i the the next record down was ziltoid the omniscient um and that's another Devin townsend project record and th- that record is about ziltoid the omniscient who is a character from the fourth dimension um some sort of interdimensional like uh, emperor galactic ruler and he comes to our dimension and says that basically i want the best cup of coffee you could possibly bring me you have five minutes if you don't i'm going to destroy the universe. Yeah, that's the kind of record you're getting into here. So right. it is a concept record, and it's eye concept and hilarious yep. storytelling. And- yeah, yeah, it's hilarious and um, yep. it's real fun to listen to. And then of course, Transcendence. I haven't actually listened to this yet, but um, I've listened to a couple songs off of it, and it's it seems like it's going to be quite good as well. And this is another Devin Townsend project record. And this is one from 2016. Coheed and Camper had a lot of storytelling in there. There's who did too. Coheed and Cambria. Oh yeah, Coheed and Cambria. Well, their yeah. uh, the, their whole thing was based on uh, a series of novels, right? So I don't know what they're doing. Like now science fiction because novels, they like exhausted that. Yeah. all the novels. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what the heck are doing. Um, but you know, the same thing was true of so like Mastodon's first four records were supposed to be Earth, Air, Water, Fire, and then yeah. they exhausted that, and then they did like I think the Hunter was the next one, yeah. and the So um, that's kind of the same, similar archetype right um yep. but, but i just feel for our audience and for you jim i feel really out of touch too because i, I i'll be the first to admit when i got into high school as a new mill kid right i had like was listening to corn and um, I never really got into limp bizkit. but i, got, I was listening to corn uh later on i got into like like the early creed the first creed record um the stained record when it came out the first one um, and then i watched my hopes and dreams get shattered by all these bands like becoming the the opposite of what they were supposed to be. Um, and then as time went on in high school, it's like when I got my sophomore year. So by the time I, I didn't start playing guitar until my sophomore year, my freshman year was spent like being worried about new metal bands and all this stuff. And then like, I'd see these kids walking around with pink Floyd t-shirts and I'd see these kids um, talking about Led Zeppelin and all that stuff. And I'd be like, you guys are idiots. Like this is, this is the, 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 you know, the six or 15 year old of me you guys are idiots. Like, why don't you like things that are current? You're so stuck in the past. And then like, when I started to play guitar, that changed everything like, over. <laughs> and I was and like, you no, were suddenly I like, like, Oh, now I don't understand, why? you know? And then I actually love that music for what it is. Like, not just for, you know, like the guitar, like tuition that it provided me, but like also to understand like what that music is and like how it works and um, the true genius of it um so now i kind of thumb my nose at the the bands i was listening to when i entered high school and i'm like that was silly like you know to, to kind of just you know ignore the ancestry and all that so um i feel like that that same attitude happened again and that was like when i was in college and really until a few years ago i was stuck listening to old music and I did not want to. If it did not happen, you know, pre nineteen ninety, I was not interested. And it was mostly because I'd been tainted with bands like Creed that went off and did what they did. Yeah. Um, their first album, Human Prison, is totally different than everything else they did. Um, they were being compared to a young Metallica when they did Human Prison. In fact, I heard a DJ here in Chicago say that exact phrase: that Creed is a young Metallica. And then the second record comes out and all of a sudden it's like all happy and like totally different angle. And um, then later on Nickelback and (laughs) and so like Nickelback, I had the aversion from day one to Nickelback. I want to make that really clear when, when they first showed up and and I know a lot of people didn't like a lot of people actually bought records and went to the shows and then like all their friends said, Oh, they suck. So then they're like, they jump on the bandwagon. Um, I, I reacted immediately and like this is pop music. I don't like it. Because I I had a misguided view in my youth of pop music being like the enemy. Um right. and that just comes from the punk rock attitudes of the people I was, you know, uh, hanging around with and listening to and all those kinds of things. So I didn't yep. hear that and go, like I well, saw Jeff Beck. Like, I'm <laughs> not interested in this. Um and really there haven't been many other rock bands since Nickelback that are all that worth talking about. I mean, what they had like, there's like Shine Down, think is one of them. Yeah, yep. and then um, who else has really happened since that? I mean, Mastodon's pretty big. Yeah, um, but I don't think the rock scene is what it was at all anymore. Um, I think it's been supplanted mostly by uh electronica.
1: At this point. Well, if you're not a blues band and a blues act, which unfortunately are receiving a lot of uh, shade, hate. Like, um, uh, John Mayer or, um, uh, Joe Bonamassa, then, um, you're getting, uh, you're getting rock that's aged. Um, and the problem is that, you know, that's why I liked, and I wanted to go see the struts, but I liked, I like listening to struts. They kind of have taken that and they're taking the mantle and they're running with it, whether, whether
0: somebody thinks that they're, um. Uh, being formulaic or not. Um, at least well, they're trying. For everyone that says that, that rock music like that's gone, what about Greta Van Fleet?
1: Right, and that's I mean, the other one. A
0: platinum Record. Yeah. And, and, and sound like Led Zeppelin in 1971. I mean, it's... You know what I mean? Like, that music's not dead, people. Like If you really think it is, how did that happen? How did that happen? Are you telling me that, that those sales are completely based on um, 15-year-old girls putting posters up of Greta Van Fleet on their wall. Exactly. exactly. It's absolutely no. ridiculous. It's not. But that's I mean, sad. If mean, That is happening. I'm okay with this. I mean, right. what better bunch of guys to put on a 15-year-old girl's wall than musicians who have worked hard to get where they are right now? Now, if I find my girls hanging up that poster at the end of this podcast, I might have to make phone calls to the boys <laughs> over in Michigan. <laughs> but... Um, well I'm just
1: saying that uh it's it's a um uh it's an unfortunate side effect is that then people go, Oh, they sound too much like um, uh like, like Zeppelin. And sure. then what's wrong with that? Sure. That's the that's the that's the thing I have is what's wrong with that. I mean I get it, but I don't understand what's wrong with it. Um I don't know. I'm so, looking at uh at Coheed and Cambria's site, and uh, I call it Cambria. It's Cambria, Cambria, yeah, it's Cambria. Cambria. Yeah. Um, you can get the new three LP plus digital
0: bundle three dollars. Um, wow. I think that's a pre-order. I price. like their sound. I mean i I think they were heavily influenced by Iron Maiden. Frankly, they were yeah. Almost, they were borderline power metal. Um, yeah, and they have a um,
1: the new one looks like it's a science fiction thing. Um, there's a man and a woman in obvious space type suits, and she's holding a. Uh, she's Steely holding. Dan, a, is
0: it? What's that? It's not Steely Dan, is it?
1: No, she's. <laughs> she's holding a, like a helmet that she had obviously been wearing to be in <laughs> space, and yeah, holding
0: that. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, so, I'm. I'm interested. I'll go. I'll go check it out because uh, that was a band that I. I don't think they were really worried about conforming to what else was going on at the time. No, And um, I'm okay with that. Uh, so yeah. th- you were talking about blues a minute ago and talking yeah. about players that like really haven't um, aged beyond like, you know, what blues was 30, 40 years ago or whatever. And then you got guys like John Mayer who have pretty much like forsaken the blues. I, he's obviously a blues player, but he's moved into the pop realm for other reasons um, right. musically. And I'm not saying like he's done it to sell out or whatever, but that's been right. a consequence obviously what he's done. Um, exactly. I would say, you know, I posted, I posted that, uh, clip of, uh, Philip Stacey, right. Playing in a, uh, playing a bar. Yep. And, um, of course I got called out immediately cause he's playing a relic guitar, um, uh, which is hilarious. Yeah. Cause Jim and I don't hate relics. We just wouldn't no. buy one. Right. 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 That, that's all we're saying. Like, right. That wasn't a relic though. That's, that's a legit, you know, that's right. like a old one yeah. strat or something, you know? And actually, um, he's got a pair of them, and he's just beat the hell out of both of them over the years. And I can remember when those guitars actually had finish on them, um, yeah. which, because I've been following him that long, like last 10 years, he's worn most of that away. Uh, the yeah. guy plays probably six hours a day. Talks about going to rehearsal space to play by himself, right? Um, so you, you talk about devoted. Um, so uh, here, here's uh, Phil, Philip stacy and his his ability to play guitar uh is if you can see in the video i mean the guy is freaking monstrous uh-huh. he I, I personally i think he outplays joe bonamassa and i think he outplays john mayer and i think he outplays a lot of his contemporaries he's definitely better than gary clark jr as good as gary clark as good as gary clark is tasty like yep. philip stacy is every bit more monstrous than he is, but he's still okay. you see where he's playing jim He's playing in a bar. Hi. Like what? Who, Hi. who is his promoter? Like he's he's got a major label record deal and he's playing in a bar.
1: Listen, you know, I I you know I love Bada Um, the guy has uh, a lot of stuff that's out, but the the thing that I I get when I hear his interviews is that he knows the business side of
0: things too, and he knows how masa love- is. Filthy rich, right, right, and, Way and there's a more reason. than some of these other people. I of course, mayor's <sighs> got more money than him, but he's the only one. You listen, you listen to Bottoms, so and the guy can play
1: slide, he can play acoustic, he can play electric, he can play classical, he can play. He, he's just an all around fantastic guitar player. I'm yeah. not saying that that um, he's better than
0: this person or that person because I don't. No, no, he's don't a great consider, guitar player. Like I'm not, right. I'm not disputing that. I just think right. he's a controversial asshole. But, and there's that, you know, that's, there's, that's a side to everybody, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. Well, I mean, he's descended from who's basically a salesman, right? Like, right. Or, his or, father. Yeah. And yeah. He, the crude businessman. And I, I definitely see that confidence coming out in the way that he carries himself in front of the media. Um, he's going to say controversial stuff. It's not a big deal, folks. He's not trying to hate everybody. Okay. Um, right we all need to just accept that like people have opinions and maybe you don't agree with them. And it's cool. Um, and I, there, he said some things I certainly don't agree with, right. but he's made some good music. I got to tell you, like the John Henry record, I really liked that <laughs> record. Um, some of the stuff he's done after that, there was some song about mosquitoes tweeters. I was like, this is stupid. Yeah. This is just stupid. Like the, he wrote these lyrics just so he could play the guitar part on it, like it was just, it was like, why bother, dude? Just play the guitar, like no one cares. Yeah, no. He was anything. always being asked play guitar, <laughs> or I mean, sing, sing,
1: sing. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I like his stuff. Um, by the way, Philip Stacey is signed to uh, Warner Music Canada. So oh. think about that, right? He's on a major label. Yeah, and he's playing in bars in the United States, and I'm not talking about like. He did play the baked potato like last week, but Mm. I'm talking about like every night because he does. You can see live streams on his channel every night from him playing in some bar, and you're like, "What is? Who is your promoter?" We've talked about this before. People will pay fifty
1: dollars to go see somebody spin turntables, and they won't pay ten dollars to go and see a
0: band. People pay to go see Skrillex jump up and down and press buttons on a keyboard. Yep. We are, we are,
1: um, I, I we're coming up on a, um, like an hour and a half, but um, yeah. we, I think that there is, there is no way the guitar player will either win or lose this battle. I think what's going to have to happen is just like, just like when disco, it, it took a long time. Disco, t- disco lasted a lot longer than most people think. You know, they think of, yeah, almost 10 years. Yeah, they think of this short period of time from uh, the the late seventies to, to like nineteen eighty, where disco actually lasted about ten years, like you said. But there and was so, some
0: overlap between disco and other bands too. Like Red right. Zeppelin was going strong the whole time. Disco was around. Right. Like Peter you know, Frampton and came in. Bands. Yeah, um, and
1: so it's it's always been
0: this ebb and flow of music and musical ideas and stuff. So. Yeah, we're going to see a reaction, and we've said yeah. this on the show before, and that reaction is going to be: how do we get away from computers? Well,
1: it's going to and, be visceral. It's just going to be like the um, uh, when people said, you know what, we're tired of of these um, incredible uh, guys with the big hair. We just want people with, with um, uh,
0: you know regular clothes, blue jeans, and you know. yeah. So I, we're going to go back to folk music. Uh, after yeah. after this is what's going to happen. I think it we're gonna, I think it's and coming.
1: I and think then we're going
0: to slowly build back up to where we were the you know, if, like 70s, if 80s. If you don't see the indie bands and the
1: and the other things that are growing right now, I think that I think we'd be blind. Um and a lot of that folk music is is alive and well. It's alive and kicking. Sure, um, sure. Um a lot coming. of indie rock is really just folk music. I mean, well, it, it is. It is. So, um, um but the difference between what what folk music was doing in the '60s and the '70s, and and even in the '80s and '90s, there were there were messages in that music. As yeah, soon as they start putting we're messages, right to we're music, protest
0: music right now, and we are there. We are in that place, is. and I think that I think that that's going to come alive again. We'll, see. well, we're already seeing it. Like I was just talking about the uh, the record from uh, um, Gary Clark Jr. Yeah. Where he was, yeah. you know, intentionally inflaming things with his neighbors. Right. But um, you know what? That gets the conversation
1: going as far as I'm concerned. If you get the conversation going, it's a good thing.
0: Sure, sure. But my point is that, that you know, that's a form of protest, right? To like take right. something that you feel offended about and make a song about it. And you shouldn't. Um, and, and you know what? He should He should have. Absolutely. Um, you're, yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Uh, I just think that there's a no, I do agree with oh. you, and I think I mm-hmm. think maybe even my comments about you know the fact that it made me feel uncomfortable when I listened to the record. I think that's are what he more wanted. More or less indicative of yeah, I think that's part of the message, and I think it's right. more or less indicative of the fact that we live in a country where we have these problems still. That's right. I feel uncomfortable listening
1: to it because of and that. and you know why I feel uncomfortable listening to it because I have to face that cold hard reality.
0: Yeah, and yeah, uh, sure, you know, I it see sucks. it. It sucks because yeah. because you know what? There's like there's a community guilt that goes along with it and yep. even if you're not a part of it like you're part of that community and so therefore you feel like some sort of responsibility element there it's absolutely. Um, absolutely so if you are one of those people that gary clark jr writes songs about quit right right exactly <laughs> stop doing stupid. that crap. like get over it yeah. <laughs> um, exactly you're gonna have to live with these people regardless of whether you are ever going to agree with their culture or their behaviors that's right so we so don't have over. to we don't
1: have to love everybody we oh, have, I, to, I try you have to I have to get along. I try to I try to but that that doesn't mean
0: you have to <laughs> um so Philip Stacy like in that whole thing so what I wanted to point out was like he goes to Europe and this is what's so funny is that Europe is totally different than us he goes right. to Europe and he's playing he's playing venues like slightly bigger than the House of blues here in the United States right and selling those places out like two three nights in a row Yep. and here in the states like you literally cannot get promoters to get him big enough venues. Exactly. Is it and and you screwed up. The the kind of music he's playing is an American art form, yeah. and we can't perform it here in the states because nobody wants to see it anymore.
1: Yep. Yeah,
0: like, you're right. You're right. I mean, unless
1: you're in a huge city, where are you going to find jazz? Unless you're in a huge city, where are you going to find blues? Really?
0: Yeah. Um, there's no receptive audience.
1: No. So um, and we're killing it. Or is it killing itself? That's a question for our audience. Yeah, are we killing question. it or is it killing itself?
0: Yeah. Well, um, since you've alerted me that we were nearing our hour and a half mark. Um yep. would encourage people if you are on the fence about going to Garapist in Indiana, both Jim and I will be there and Nick Bongers will be there for Great Lakes guitar pickups. Um yep. he can answer your questions and put take an order, I'm sure. Um yeah and we're just going to be hanging out like having a good time so if you want to come exactly. out and uh, visit like you're more than welcome um, yeah. i'm sure i'm sure sweetwater won't turn you away cuz it's a, uh, you know it's a huge event um, exactly. as i said on my thing this morning it's bigger than summer <laughs> nam so yeah um, and it's kind of funny because like they split hairs this year summer nam moved out later this year so it's like some people are going to one and not the other and but um just to recap I know we talked about this earlier but for people who don't listen to every episode because I know there are probably some out there that don't um, gear fest I'm gonna read through the list of uh, people who are attending again this year and uh, they've added a few so this is very important to me um, Ben oh, yeah. Casey from Ableton Bill Evans yep. uh, fusion saxophonist for Miles Davis and Mick Jagger nope. Bill Sheehan um, obviously yeah. bass player for a number of bands um, some of who are really active and popular today um we've got i'm just trying to find the ones that i would know like craig anderton who's a music industry author and journalist and also uh he wrote the book on like electronics projects for musicians or whatever um uh, there's a modern Prague fusion band called covet that's going to be there yep. um danny Korchmar, uh session guitarist linda ronstadt and james taylor um who else do i recognize um, Don Carr, who's a guitarist for Oak Ridge Boys and, and uh, actually works at Sweetwater, apparently.
1: Um, I've
0: heard of that guy named Greg Cock. Yeah, he's going to be there. Um, we're yeah. getting there. Um, Eric Johnson is going Eric to be Johnson. there. Uh, he will probably be doing the the uh, closing sh- show, I would imagine, um, yeah. which would uh, be make the third time that I've seen that Legend of a Man. Um, yep. Greg Cock is yeah. obviously going to be there. Um, Doyle Dykes. I mean, I've heard Jess of Jeff Skunk Baxter. Yep. Um, and they've just been like they seriously have almost tripled the the number of people. Uh, Johnny A. Johnny A. Guitarist. Aang. Yeah. Um, Kenny Greenberg, who's a, a producer songwriter for Taylor Swift, Brooks and Dunn. Uh yep. Marcus Scott from Tower of Power. Uh, shoot, I'm still going here. You got Mark Hornsby. Yeah. He worked Nick with Garth Brooks. Obviously,
1: because he works there. Michael Sweet, those who might not know him from Striper.
0: Um, Nick Virgilio from mm-hmm. uh, from Genesis. He's played drums for Genesis Live. Yeah. Um, Nick Balcott, Smith, he used to work for uh, Arshie. Pete Thorne, yeah. uh, Randall Smith, Rob Scallon, uh, yeah. Rudy Sarzo, yeah. Steve Stein. Yeah. You might Steve. want to reach out to him. Yeah. Uh, of course, Steve I've By. already done that, yeah i told um, steve we'd, we'd meet up and then uh sylvia massey tim pierce, tim pierce. Travis larson tor morgenson yeah mm-hmm. it's gonna be nuts because i'm seeing some of these other people that they've, they've added i'm like are you kidding me i know right steve's was on the I'm, list
1: before yeah
0: he's on there now yeah um, and neither was rob scallon nope he was which is really he was funny added. what's he going to promote because they don't sell chapman yeah but, good question unless they're gonna start um Pete that's Thorne, one. that's another new name on that list. Yeah. Do yep. they sell, sir? There? Yes, I believe so. Oh, even I, if they
1: don't, they would sell yeah. his. Uh, let's see. I thought they Yeah, sold. they probably
0: sell some of the stuff he makes. I thought they but, sold. But the PRS Pete is Thorne. an addition because he wasn't on there before. Remember? We were talking about yep. it. Is Paul going to be there? Yeah. Yeah, so he's on there now. Um, yeah, Michael Sweet. I didn't even. I, did, I completely skipped him when I was going through here. Yeah, the list is massive. We're skipping like 3 quarter of the people on this list. Which is well, like, I know a
1: lot of those people, even though they don't sell their the gear that they, um, that they represent. Uh, they might they do might come there educational to do, sessions or something like right, that. Right, and they do come oh, there to do is there for Line 6. Well, that makes sense. And he's doing a bunch of Line 6 videos right now, so that makes sense.
0: Rob Scallon is there um, posting an event called Using YouTube to Get Discovered. Yep. Um I'm looking to see what the, cuz they, now they have all the uh they have all the conver- or the uh the sessions mapped out. Yeah, there are a lot of people that come there to use
1: their um uh Sweetwater's got a heck of a um a place to record as you know. Yeah, an um, NGO- a studio. Yeah, Studios. so I want to know who the
0: headliner going to be cuz uh that that last um session is usually great. I to see am um oh, it's Eric Johnson. He's doing a special performance. Yeah, wow, big, big surprise! Um, yeah, you want to hear some crazy guitar sound, Jim? That's that's yeah. the one you want to stay for, because uh, well, that's that's why I'm staying. here. like true. him. <laughs> you know. We're not leaving until the next day, so yeah, we're staying for that. Well, it's early; they, they, the show's over at six. Yeah. So. Well, then we can go back to the room and hang out. And yeah, yeah, and then we got plenty of time the next day to fool around and record all right. everything. So um yeah we've we've overstayed our welcome but if any of those names entice you to go to gear fest um add our name to the roster because we're going to be there and we won't entice entice we're not official (laughs) or anything like that um but we will definitely you know look forward to meeting people from you know listen to the listen to our show of the small family of listeners we have so
1: Um,
0: jim i have been david i've been jim and tonight we were practical guitarists that's right